Welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, uh, we got we got an exciting show today. I thought it was going to be a, a little bit of a different kind of show. We've got uh, the one and only Helena St. James in here, uh, the, the fabulous beat writer for the Free Press who covers the Red Wings, and author who's written uh, on the clock, behind the scenes with the Detroit Red Wings at the NHL draft, and the men and moments that made the Detroit Red Wings the big 50. Those are, uh, you know, two really good books, and you can find them wherever you get books, and Helena can probably tell you more specifically when she when she jumps in here in a second where she'd like you to find those books but uh but carlos we were all ready for a stanley cup parade and then the wings go to ottawa and uh i'm, I'm not sure what happened but uh, we're gonna let helena tell us what happened the last couple of nights and now they're gonna sell off everything and trade everybody and start well, from scratch you got and helena your, your main function today is to make Sean feel good about himself. He's, I mean, you know, we're worried about him. He was already starting the parade, planning the parade down Woodward. He had his plans. He had already booked his first and second round travel itinerary to Boston and then wherever else he was no, so no, no, excited. No, 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 that's you, Carlos. Now we those, talked about this. I'm not going to no. let you get away with that with the listeners. We had an hour-long conversation last week about how you 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 put the work in in the winter. They're, they're, the Red Wings are yours, so don't do not do that. Don't be disingenuous. Well, one let's, thing just, for you to be- let's just get this straight. <laughs> My favorite part last week was Sean showing up at Little Caesars and Derek Lalonde going, who are you? What? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, no, I was getting... No, was... What he said was, if you had been around... <gasps> okay, so, so Carlos, he, he didn't say... He, he implied that. He didn't say it quite like that, but I was going to cop to that on the podcast today when we had Alina. I didn't want to tell you until we were all in... All together, but was, he, it, wait, wait, it, was there was there a gasp or laughter in the room when no, he said no, it? No, 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 it was we quiet. Laughing. It was <laughs> they were probably quietly laughing. So I asked a question, and he resp- his, his first part of the answer was, "Well, if you talk to our local media, so that's how he said it." Yeah, in other words, I'm not so well. You, so I, you look like you look like an international man of mystery. And, no, uh, I don't. So I, went up, I ran up to uh, when it, when they when Lalonde left the room and it broke. I ran up to Todd Beam the the media relations person for the Red Wings and I leaned in and I said, I, I met him at the introductory press conference, but I'd like to, I said, I'll come to a skate around or something so I can just reintroduce myself because this is ridiculous. It's totally my fault. Do, and do right, show you already up and said call you, it a skate around. Do yeah, you said Lalonde and skate around. It's Lalonde and it's a morning skate. So, all right. Yeah, Lalonde, you deserve that and more, Sean. I'm proud of Newsy. No, I uh, well, to me, it's a it's a, it's a skate around, it's like pick up ball or whatever. But uh, in, in, in any sure. case, Elaine is absolutely right. But uh, but enough about you me. Were there, you were there for that Rangers game when they got into the into the playoff picture, albeit briefly. And then since then, <laughs> I can't fault I can't fault anything. Uh, the Saturday loss to Tampa Bay that was all Vasilevsky, but uh, they just looked atrocious. Uh, Monday and then again Tuesday in Ottawa. That was I thought that was disappointing how how they absolutely just got pushed around by the Senators. And that was those were two huge games for them. They could have, you know, moved up in the standings and kept the Senators from doing so. And instead, you know, now this now they have the same amount of points. Uh, Carl, I just want to ask Helena real quick. Did, did this surprise you? This effort because yes, I was there for the the Rangers game and they had a lot of. Uh, they had a lot of fight that night. And then the way they played in Ottawa the last couple of nights, especially the first Ottawa game where they, you're right, they just got dominated physically. But did the, did the effort surprise you? I mean, six goals, giving up six goals back-to-back nights, 6-2, six, 6-1. Six, so six, more so the lack of composure because both nights they did score the first goal and then they got caught up in taking penalties. I mean, they went 0 for 8 in, I think it was 13 and a half minutes of man advantage time Tuesday or something. I just, I saw it after, okay, Monday you get, punched in the face you pick yourself up and come out better Tuesday and instead they lost by an even bigger margin so I thought more you know and they had Villa Huso in that and I mean I, I wouldn't fault him he didn't get much help you know but they give up a shorthanded goal they give up power play goal uh, the penalty shot you can argue it was questionable that that was called but you know officials call things every game that teams aren't happy with and you can't let that affect you. So I, I think it was more just the fact that they then played poorly again the next night was more of a surprise than 
you know, okay, Monday, um, you know, they weren't, they weren't going to win out, but, but I thought it was, it was disappointing how they responded. Those two games in Ottawa, I mean, they were just, um, I think, I think that, I mean, the, I think the second one when they lost uh, Tuesday night, I mean, special team seems to be a pro- seemed to be a problem in that game. The power played both, well, both ways, right? Um, I think Ottawa was like uh, two for six or something and the wings just, just couldn't get in oh, for eight or whatever it was. Um, has that been an anomaly or has that been, have they been okay with special teams? I mean, is that just something that was weird for those two games or has that been a kind of a problem throughout? No, their special teams have kind of been up and down, but, but they had really been clicking through, you know, they won nine of 12 and I think seven of, of eight and, you know, special teams, especially their power play was, was doing really well. And then for them to just do so poorly in both areas. But I, I think it's just, again, comes back to, they just, kind of lacked composure and didn't play, you know, strong team defense. They didn't seem able to recover. And, you know, it was early in the game when it was 1-1. And, you know, they could have, they could, they were, there was so much time left for them, you know, and instead uh, they, they let it slip to 4-1, uh, Senators up 4-1 after the first period Tuesday. That's just, that to me is, is a sign of, of lack of maturity. And I thought they had taken some strides there and we're dealing better with, you know, with just the pressures of, of trying to become a winning team. I mean, it's tough to close out. But, you know, I, I just thought it was disappointing that that um, that they didn't have better composure because they had plenty of time left to still make a statement Tuesday. And instead, the statement was, you know, to let themselves get pushed around again. And is that the, the I mean, to me, is this the thing that, I mean, this is what we saw last year, right? With Blashill, is they would just go on these nosedives. Um, they they look good for a couple games here and there, and they just crash. And I think what what we've seen, I mean, you know, I don't want to be unfair to them because two games is not a season, you know. I mean, it, people can struggle as as hot as they were on that road trip and everything, and you know, it was great. Were they really going to sustain that kind of clip? Probably not, but. Um, and I think, isn't it, isn't this kind of what like Eiserman wants to see is like, how do you handle adversity? How do you respond? If you lose a game six, two, how do you come back the next night, especially against the same team? Um, and that's, that's the worrisome part to me. Like you said, the maturity, um, is that they, they can't, they can't stack these not only losses, but bad losses together and going into Ottawa. I mean, Larkin's talking about this is the playoffs to us. These are our playoffs. This is now a playoff run. Everybody's talking about that. They know what's on the line. I mean, to, to kind of face plant like this, is there, are they, is there hope for them to, to respond, to come back from that? Or is this kind of showing who they are? Like they're just not ready at all to really be, to compete when the stakes are higher. Well, I think the surprising part was that they, you know, on that trip, they, uh, they lost in Seattle and came back with a really good response game uh, in Washington. So, you know, and then they lose to Tampa. But again, that was all Vasilevsky denying them. 45 shots, right? <laughs> yeah, 45 saves, exactly. I mean, he was spectacular. He And and then they come and their response is, you know, and they had been good on the road and their power play had been good on the road. So it's just baffling um, you know, what, why, why, and, and yeah, maturity, you know, and, and Steve Eisman, you know, he's watched, he's, he's at pretty much every game home and, and road and, you know, the, the trade deadlines on Friday. And I think all along there, you know, he, he's posed maybe as for, there was a brief window there where you think, okay, maybe he stands pat. I mean, he certainly didn't project to be a buyer at any point because th- this team is not going to contend for the Stanley cup. I think at the same time, you can't deny the excitement of oh maybe they maybe they get in for the first time since 2016. That's great for to excite the fan base. You know it's great for Little Caesars Arena. Uh, you know to see what the playoff and an actual playoff atmosphere would be like there. So, you know maybe he was going to stand pat, but ultimately all along Steve Eisman has to prioritize the team's future as far as what he does at the trade deadline and make some hard decisions. And you know he's been a seller every year since he got to Detroit and certainly looks like that's what he's going to be again this year after, after this past, these uh, three losses. Well, it's interesting. Both of you guys use the word maturity because that's what we heard after the Rangers game, right? Um, in the, in the post game press conference, we heard that from 
I know I heard it from the coach. I'm trying to remember if maybe even Andrew Kopp used that word. I know he used the word sacrifice too, but they attributed uh, the streak to some degree to that maturity. And then even against the Rangers though, right, Helena, they, they came out uh, a little bit tight and a little bit nervous. And the, the thinking was, well, they need these kind of experiences because they need to learn how to navigate this. And they did that night. So to me, that made it even a little bit more surprising, especially to your point about them rebounding from Seattle to D.C. So, I, I look, I understand the talent level's not there to just go out and overwhelm people, but, but uh, it felt like they were starting to figure out how to compete in certain ways. And uh, that, that doesn't mean win, obviously. You're going you're gonna to lose. But uh, to Carlos's point, you know, 6-2, six, 6-1 six, is – is uh, I, I think a little bit surprising. I, and predictably enough, you know, there's a chunk of the fan base all of a sudden, okay, this rebuild, Dyson has lost it. It was a fluke in Tampa. He needs to go, et cetera, et cetera. There's always going to be that chunk of the fan base. But um, I, I'm curious what your sense is now, uh, kind of staying here with the, with, with the trade deadline stuff. Do they do, do these two games change? They, I know they have one more game for the trade deadline. Do, do, do you absorb that and then see, or do you? Do you believe in the idea that um, even if you just stay pat, that the young guys deserve the chance to see if they can make this run and and learn some things making this run, even if they don't go get anybody? Well, I, th- I think you certainly want to see what they can do. But I think also if you're Steve Eisenman, you really have to prioritize, you know, again, what's best for the future. And you can't, you know, and if you don't think you're going to get a potential or a pending unrestricted free agent signed, it's just too risky to let him get to free agency this summer or, you know, even potentially, I mean, you can trade a guy's rights, but you're not going to get as much of him as you would at the trade deadline. And I think that's what Steve has had to weigh all along as far as what what is best for their franchise, not just right now, but longer term. And that's, that's you know, that that's where, I mean, the players in the room, they just have to focus on, you know, what they can control and, and perform as well as they can every night. And, you know, what's interesting, too, is during this that f- uh, five-game winning streak and, you know, five of six and, uh, and onwards, they they didn't have Lucas Raymond for much of that, you know, and, and other guys, I mean, they were missing their top right winger and other guys, you know, they, they filled in and, and dug a little harder and, and, and won. And Andrew Kopp did talk about that. He said, you know, sometimes you see it happen you miss a key guy and other guys just take it upon themselves to do a little bit more, uh, you know, and now Luke Freeman comes back and, you know, that they're, they should have been better and instead they, they weren't. So um, I just think, you know, that the players have to control what they can and try and make it as tough on Steve as possible and kind of force him to say, okay, I, I got to keep this team together. But they, they didn't, they didn't do that in Ottawa. That's called, real quickly, Carlos, we call that in basketball the Patrick Ewing theory. The New York Knicks made the NBA Finals in 1999 without their best player. He he went down, and then they made the Finals. So it, it, to that point, it does. Uh, I don't think it happens in football. Well, hey, the Philadelphia Eagles won a Super Bowl a few years ago with their with their backup. So I guess it's the same idea. But anyway, uh, sorry, Carlos. I just wanted to well, I had that, a, I have a question. So let me ask you this, because I, I wonder sometimes if, you know, we're, we're just a bunch of dumb sports writers. You know, Helena's smarter than we are. Obviously, Sean, that's not a, like, a very high bar to clear. But still, we're just monkey sports writers. We look at wins, losses, and power play, blah, 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 all this stuff. But are we playing checkers and is Steve Eiserman playing chess? Because... He told an interesting story on a podcast. I think it was this week or last week. Um, and he talked about his first year with Tampa Bay and that, you know, they had a young Steven Stamkos. I think Victor Hedman was young at the time. And, and you know, they were trying to build something there. And at the trade deadline, they get Eric Brewer, defenseman, to help their defense. And they end up making the playoffs. Well, they make the playoffs and it rejuven- he says it rejuvenates the fan base. They increase their season ticket sales. How much of that is something, you know, part of the calculus that he uses as far as not only is it about, you know, teaching these guys or helping them this and that, whatever, but like, and you know, you want to win, but how much does it come down to the balance ledger for Mr. Illich, for Chris Illich and saying, listen, this is all, if we add somebody, maybe we're the, the fan base can smell the red meat. They can, they can taste it. They know this team is getting better. 
whether we're a legit playoff team or not, if we add a piece, I don't know what that piece is, but if there's a piece that will only encourage the fan base, maybe we sneak into the playoffs with that piece, right? And then what happens to ticket sales there? And we know, I mean, having covered this team for a long time, you know, I think Ken Holland used to say it, they didn't make money. This was back then in Little C or uh, Joe Lewis. They didn't make money until I think they got to the conference finals. They had to go deep into the playoffs to make money. But that's what this game's about, really, I think, from Iserman's perspective, or at least a significant part, right? What do we do to encourage the fan base, increase ticket sales, increase money, increase all the stuff, the suites, all that stuff, parking, all that. Um, how much is that, do you think, into his equation of like, listen, we're not that far away. Maybe we need to be, you know, buyers this time or, or soon, if not now. I think you have a system similar to the U.S. government, right, where legislative, executive and judicial. And in hockey, you have business management and players, you know, and, and Derek has talked about the management coach layer that, you know, it's it's on it's Steve's decision who gets waived, uh, who gets sent down, who gets uh, called up. You know, Chris Illich uh, has to worry about the business side of thing. Steve, I mean, he has to be budget conscious. He has, you know, salary cap to deal with. But, you know, in, in order to make a trade, I mean, to make a big splash or something, you have to give up a future. You, you give up a pick or a prospect, and that's the last thing the, the Wings want to do right now. You look at what Toronto has done the past few days. I mean, that's that's what the Wings used to do, you know, in in um, in my book about the Red Wings and the draft. You, you, you know, I, I talk extensively about there was a, a time there where they didn't have any first-round picks, but it was worth it for them to trade them because they had so many pieces. It was time for, for them to go, you know, go all out for the Stanley Cup. They're not in that position right now. So I think even though you can say, yeah, you know, how, how great to actually make the playoffs and play Boston or Carolina, probably one of those two if you're a wild card team. But Steve has to consider the future. And that's, again, where I go back to. If you think you're going to lose a player to unrestricted free agency, you are just much better served by trading him at the deadline than hanging on to him. I mean, you know, that, that's that's kind of why the trade deadline is now. It's to make it interesting. Teams have to decide, okay, uh, is there, are you for sure in? Are you on the bubble? Or are you just, you know, fire sale? And the wings aren't fire sale. They're right there on the bubble. But that's part of what makes it more complicated uh, for Steve and, and, his, uh, and his brain trust is, is just trying to figure out, okay, what, what's realistic this season and what's best for the future. Well, I would think that they have a pretty good idea they're going to keep Larkin, right? Bertuzzi. Oh, me, yeah, yeah. I mean, Bertuzzi's the one that's, that's answering question. And Carlos brings up a, a good point, an interesting point. But I, I have a slightly different take on it, though. I, I think they're all related in a sense that you go get, you know, he's talking about what happened in Tampa. Well, you, you increase the ticket sales, you increase the atmosphere. That fuels the team at home, right? They can feel that. I mean, you, you which, in, so that Bowie's things in a certain way. So it's, it's kind of the chicken or egg thing, but so it's all, it all feeds together. So it's not just to make money. That atmosphere can help win, which then makes more money, which can help them make more wins or not make more wins, but you get more wins or win more. So it's kind of interesting uh, like that. But um, I, well, so what's your, not to put you on the spot completely here, Elena, but what's your gut? What's your, specifically with Bertuzzi, I guess, what's your your gut or just your, your best educated uh, guess as to what might happen? I know there's been progress made with Dylan Larkin contracts. And, you know, it, it's, as I've been writing, it's, it serves both sides best for there to be an agreement. And, you know, I, I think at some point, I I wouldn't worry whether Dylan isn't signed by the trade deadline. He'll resign at some point. I think Bertuzzi, there's more uncertainty there, and that's that's why you know Steve uh, all along has been listening to offers there. I mean, and Tyler, you go back to his junior days and AHL days. He's a playoff performer, so he, so there's certainly going to be interest in him from other teams. And if Steve get something that's going to be better for the franchise's future for the rebuild's future i think you have to you have to take it because if you you know worst case scenario you hang on to him they miss the playoffs and he goes to free agency and you have neither a chicken nor an egg to show for it you know <laughs> and you have tofu. you know so that's yeah so 
so you have kale. I don't know. Well, with Bertuzzi, like I'd hate to see him go. I think he's the most offensively talented player the Wings have. You know, I like his. I like how hard he plays. I like the his vision on the ice. He does things I think that really nobody else does on that team. That, but he's he's twenty eight, right? So he does have a little bit of you know trouble with injury it seems especially this year and then the whole covid thing and all that it's a complication and but uh but if they get i mean if they get good return you know i mean it's you can't you can't fault them but it does signal something probably nothing's happening this year right if you if you if you let them walk we're not committed to winning this season um but which is a shame because everybody i think is was hopeful but it's it's funny well, right no. Yeah, yeah. What's such a shame about this season is, you know, second game of the season in New Jersey, Tyler Bertuzzi breaks a hand and Jake Brana is placed into the NHL and NHLPA Players Assistance Program. Uh, and certainly you have to prioritize Jacob Brana's overall health. But just looking at it from a standpoint, from a hockey standpoint, strictly, those were two guys, Bertuzzi and Brana, the Wings were counting on for around 30 goals each, you know? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we never got to see the team, the Wings, hope they had. And yeah, injuries are part of every season. It's just, it really stank for the Wings that, that to lose both of those guys two games into the season, because they're such significant offensive players. And I don't think we've seen close to what Jacob can do in these now three games he's played since he was called back up. You know, he, joining a team so late in the season and he missed two months uh, is just, it's incredibly hard because everybody else is playing so much faster. So, you know, and Tyler then came back, uh, I think, for two weeks and then broke his other hand. So so both of those guys, I don't don't think we've seen anywhere close to what they can really, how, how big of an impact they can have, unfortunately. And that's that was what was so intriguing coming into the season. They really looked like they might be, you know, very good uh, all the way around. No, they certainly had the chance, and I think we got a glimpse of that. Even without um, Raymond, we got a glimpse of that. Well, and about Verona, too. Bertuzzi was there, though, during the, the 7 of 8 and 9 of 12. And, and um, yeah, to your point, it's but uh, unfortunately, that's how that goes. Also, unfortunately, I think uh, we need to let you go, Alina. But okay. um, well, unless you want to stick around for another segment, uh, you know, I know, but I know you're busy, so I don't want to. She's put writing her third book, Sean. Come on, yeah, no, yes, she, yes, I am. She is, she is, she is writing. So her put third it book. on your Christmas list for 2024. <laughs> Abs- absolutely. Do you want to tell us real, real quickly where? Uh, where the best Both uh, on the clock behind the scenes with the Detroit Wings at the NHL draft and uh, the Big 50, the men and moments that made the Detroit Red Wings are available at bookstores and online at any booksellers. And if you want them personalized, just reach out to me, hstjames at freepress.com, and uh, I'll be happy to personalize them and send them anywhere in the world that uh, that can be delivered to. So. Great gift, uh, great for yourself. Well, that's a lot of good information there. I recommend uh, y'all get out and get your copies. Alina, thanks for joining us. We've got, what, one more game for the trade deadline. I think Seattle's coming to town, uh, what, Thursday night, and then the trade deadline's Friday. That's, um, you know, it, it, it's going to be interesting. Lots to talk about. We'll uh, we'll see how this unfolds. I know there are several teams all of a sudden between them and the, the, the last uh, wild card spot, which is not how it was a week ago. Or almost a week ago, but uh, and do come back anytime to LCA. Oh, I will. I, no, no, I will. I will. I want to catch Carlos. I think I have one more game to go to catch him. To be honest, Carlos acts like he's there twenty games. That I, is true. There is a chart that keeps attendance of <laughs> of reporters. That's because no team has anything better to do than to <laughs> to track. You know, it's all part of this uh, deep dive. Analytics is keeping track of <laughs> that's, that's, reporters, <laughs> and that's the nature of sports. My goal is to be able to go into a press conference with the uh, with the with the head coach and and not get said oh yeah well if you talk to our local media so that so that would be my goal it's a it's a it's a worthy goal but anyway thanks thanks again for joining us it's always fun to have you my pleasure and uh we will definitely get you on yeah absolutely we we will we'll get you on before the end of the season it's going to be an interesting one they're not done yet right helena oh no no and they can still make the playoffs we can still be you know scouting the first round uh, in another month or so so yeah plus i want carl's to get to go to boston apparently i found out the other day that he loves Boston. So we want to get him there. For the clam chowder? 
Chowder and yeah. the Paul Chowder. Revere's house. Yeah, I was going to say it probably that. has nothing to do with food. It's probably it's is it Paul Revere's it's house? Great Italian food on the north end. So they do no the north. I end just school. go around throwing tea into various bodies of water. <laughs> Not only that, they make their lobster rolls. There's a little Italian seafood restaurant in the north end. They make their Here lobster rolls with butter instead of mayonnaise. So it's although <laughs> it's really rich, and uh, I wouldn't recommend eating it and then go to a game. You'll be in a coma. <laughs> <laughs> But in any case, all right, Helena, we'll let you go and um, we'll get you back soon. And Carlos, you and I will take a quick break here and be right back with more Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, I guess it's just you and me now. Elena, I mean, you know, we, the, the truth is we are the, the, she's like a Lyft driver, you know, so the meter's running when she shows up and, uh, or a cab driver. I don't know if it happens. All the she'd time. had enough of us, is what you're she saying. had. It was too much jibber jabber before we even started. So you could t- you could just tell she's she's itching to do stuff. No, yeah, she was. Uh, yeah, that was that was funny. By the way, it, it was kind of. Um, it wasn't embarrassed because it's just the nature of the job and it's how it goes. But it was it was comical that the Detroit Red Wings hockey coach, that when I asked him a question, referred to the other writers in the room and said, well, if you talk to them, you, you know, <laughs> oh boy, that was, uh, yeah, I just thought, oh, Carlos is going to have fun with that. Well, the thing, the thing, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be honest here. He said that kind of to me too, when I was at a game. Oh, he did? Ago. Yeah. I mean, I've been to like four or five games, you know, and uh, uh, maybe um, three, but that's all right. Zooms and all this and whatever. And, you know, and he's like, well, our, our local media will say that blah, 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 implying that I'm not part of the local media because he didn't recognize me. Um, but I think it's I think with the Red Wings, you know, um, and probably the Pistons, too, it's like the, there's a small group that covers a team intensely on a very, you know, daily day by day basis. And then, you know, anybody who's not part of that tight team tight cadre of 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 reporters probably feels like are you from here or are you not but but he needs to be careful about how he says that because he's going to say that one day to mitch album and he's going to look weird saying that you know because he should know who mitch album is well he probably does know mitch so that's 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 a different level of uh well, celebrity I mean, fame. It's, it, it's interesting when i go to the when i go to the when the pistons games and i ask Dwayne casey a question he says hi, Sean, or thank you. you know, he always uses my name, and at some point in the because you're at like every other shoot around and game, and you've you've been to it's different. I mean, well, that's I, the difference. Yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah, I've been on the road with him, although that was a few years ago now. But um, um, look, I'll we, tell we, you. By the way, can I tell you one funny story about this? About why you need to be careful. This is if any coaches or high level players are listening to this. I'm sure many are. Yeah, um, no, nobody is. But I don't know that we we have a couple listeners. <laughs> this is 2000, 2006 at the U.S. Open at Winged Foot. Phil Mickelson, who is kind of the Aaron Rodgers mold of I know everything. I'm smarter than everybody in the room and whatever. And uh, we're there, and Mitch is not there. He does not go to. He did not go to majors. He doesn't travel for golf. All that stuff. But I'm there, um, and uh, Mike Lupica's there. He's the longtime, you know, former columnist at the New York Daily News, um, and uh, you know he'd been on the Sports Reporters with Mitch on ESPN. So Lupica asks a question, and Phil answers with, uh, "Well, Mitch," and then goes on, and the room just like you can feel this implosion of like people trying to not laugh, but not cry, and not like they don't know what to do with themselves. Like heads are literally exploding. Like it's just, it was just the talk of the media center for the rest of that day and maybe into the rest of the week. So if you're going to, if you're going to say you don't know who somebody is, or you think you know who they are, it's better to not say anything unless you absolutely know who that person is. So, and I don't think Lalone was calling you out or calling me out. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't calling me out at all. He was just, no, I I wasn't embarrassed at all. It's just, yeah. You know, it's, it's not col- like Tom Izzo who has your portrait with his, no, his no, no, family no. As, dining as, table, right? As, as columnists at the Detroit Free Press, and uh, I'm sure our colleagues over at the news, uh, Bob Wanowski and, and John Neal would say the same. We, and this is not an excuse at all, but we are um, to some degree responsible for eight different teams. Oh, yeah. And, um, and you're just going to get to know 
some of the players and coaching staffs and management staffs on and those teams better than others. It's just kind of how it goes. And we all kind of have our own strengths and then also, you you know, interests, right? I mean, we have to know just a, a base level about everybody, but um, but we're just going to know more about some and gravitate to those. It's just kind of how it works. And uh, in any case, so, I, I, you know, it's part of the job, but I also wasn't embarrassed in any way. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. it's 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 fine. But but I did think you think that was funny, and obviously, <laughs> Helena thought that was funny. But I, I, you know, before we move on here to, to the Lions and the combine and the draft and how they need to go sign, well, with Tom Brady, is that is that what you said? I can't remember. I think he's available. He's he's a free agent. Yeah, I know he probably is available to trade the team for Tom Brady. Whatever. Um, just real quickly with the wings again. Uh, let me. Here, here's my question to you: Can Detroit have nice things? or or if the line i mean you know it makes you wonder are we setting god i hate to even say this man i don't want to these these poor folks are we setting ourselves up for just a spectacular fall and i don't mean you and me i mean we collectively the the lions fans southeast of michigan the whole state really except for some packers fans up north (laughs) and maybe a few bears fans over on the western beaches are we what are we setting ourselves up for this fall i mean you know, the Lions? Yeah, I mean, right? I mean, what what if they face plant for whatever reason, injury luck? I mean, just a couple of uh, some tough, tough end-of-the-game losses combined with injuries and whatever. I mean, it, it can happen. It happens all the time. Well, uh, you know, and I was just – it was really weird that you're saying that because I just thought about that uh, last night or today before they were talking we were going to do the podcast and thinking talking about the Lions and the whole – that idea of – you know, the I mean, Detroit right now, you know, and, and, and Michigan in general is ready for a Super Bowl party. I mean, they're already they're already picking out their pizzas and their divisional you know, champs for sure, 20, right? Yeah, division uh, NFC champions and anything less than that is. It's a not just here though, right? All of a sudden, they become the national darlings in the NFL in the NFL uh, on betting in betting. Yeah, there's a the betting line on them is high, uh, but that has really really not that much to do with a lot of things. Anyway. Um, but that, but that's the thing. It's like, and this is all based on them going one and six, and then eight and two. I was like, it couldn't just be a straight up. This was this team just, you know, they they went they went uh, they won two of their first three, and then they lost one or two, and then they won three in a row. And it was like, no, it was a face plant to begin the season. They got to fire a coach, and then they make up for it. And it was an it was an impressive run, but. To, to, to build all that hope on basically half of a season, the second half of the season is really uh, like that's very that's so Lions and so Detroit, you know, like we're going to we're going to grasp to uh, onto any, you know, fringe of hope, you know, that we can that we can hold on to. I don't blame them. I don't blame people for being excited. They they deserve it because if you watch those games the during that during that impressive run, and they should have the idiot you know Seahawks had taken care of business. The the Lions should have been in the playoffs, uh, so they deserve to be there. Whether they're going to be world beaters and conference champions and all that, that's that's kind of asking a lot, um, especially when we haven't released. We have to see what they do in free agency, and we have to see what they do in the draft, but. Right now, that defense doesn't really convince me of much. Um, and you keep, you're keeping your defensive coordinator. You lost your most, you know, whatever senior, decorated, trusted, you know, assistant coach and Todd Wash, the line coach. So, unless Dre Berlai has some kind of secret, you know, weapon in his back pocket to to make the secondary amazing all on all on his own, um, they still have a ways to go on one side of the ball. So I don't know, but you're right. Maybe they are. Maybe we're all setting ourselves up for. Uh, for a spectacular disappointment. Well, I was just thinking, you know, and I'm not predicting that necessarily. It's just that's how life goes sometimes. I was just thinking about it because of there was so much buzz, at least among Wings fans, um, five, six days ago, right? Well, before Tampa, I, I, I don't think Tampa tamped it down because they actually played really well against Tampa. They just couldn't, as Helena pointed out earlier, just couldn't get the... Vasilevsky's the, the best goalie in the world the, right the, now. The puck of the net, yeah. But, um, but they played really well. They competed. And uh, and they didn't in Ottawa, but but there was all of a sudden some some buzz and like and not as, and it's the right kind of buzz because they're young and they you know they have a new coach and um and they looked like they were coming together a little bit. It's a little bit. It's I don't want to say it's completely similar, but it's like last year. We, we, you're going out of spring training here in a week. 
to hang out with the Tigers. You know, I was down there last year toward the very, very end of spring training uh, on a, on a field. I don't remember. I was in Dunedin when they were playing the Blue Jays, and I'm trying to remember. Avila was out on the field, and maybe even um, AJ Hinch. And they were. This was toward the end. They had a couple of games left before they were coming up north to start the season, and they were talking about how they expect to make the playoffs. Right, that was the goal. Yeah, they actually said it. Sure. And um, and then we saw what happened. So. I don't know. The Pistons are just kind of, yeah, that's a different story. But um, but that's why I was joking. Like, can can we have nice things in Detroit? It's just, I think, I think, Carlos, I'm curious what you think about that, this. It's been so long that we've had any meaningful uh, postseason success with any of the four pro teams that it's, um, that any kind of little thing, like the second half of the Lions season, right? Like the yeah. last third of the Tigers season, the season before that set up last, spring training's expectations like the nine and 12 stretch we just saw with the wings we haven't quite had that buzz other than winning the lottery with cunningham with the pistons but but um then he gets hurt and it kind of stopped that momentum but yeah are are we just that desperate to hang on to any little thing because it's been about a decade or so since any team has been great probably longer if we're using the word great yeah great great's a strong word uh yeah i mean it's it's we both know. I mean, we say this all the time. You know, it's one of the best sports cities in the in the country. You know, and and when you've had fairly recent success and big success from from especially the Pistons and the Red Wings, you know, you want that. And there's people. It's not like the Lions, where everybody who remembers remembers them being good is dead. You know, like it's the, we every everybody remembers. Most of the people now still remember. You know, the going to work. Some of them, the bad boys. You know the Red Wings run for sure. Everybody remembers that. So you want that? You the have Tigers. That the Tigers played in two World Series. That's, the Tigers. I mean, absolutely. that's pretty good. <laughs> absolutely, and that's when that's when the 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 you know the checkbook was open. Illich, you know, Mike Illich, you know, wanted to see a World Series win before he died. Um, you know, so he was just you know throwing out the Benjis, you know, left and right, and they just never happened. But but they were close, and they were a really great team. They were fun, and they got they got they signed big free agents and. And that's part of it, I think. Besides the winning, it's like the excitement of the Red Wings signing Brett Hull and Robitaille and Hashik and you know all that. And who do the who do the Lions ever get? The who, Tigers which, trading for Cabrera, right? Giving up a couple prospects. Yeah, Cabrera early if Prince Fielder say what you want, yeah, but he no, was a huge sure. signing. You know all that. I mean, that's that, it started that's, with Pudge, right? But uh, yeah, and even the even the Pistons. We we're talking about this a, a few days ago, right? You know, when they got Rashid. I mean, that was the was the thing that deal. put them over the top. It you did. know and so that's what we're missing is the the excitement that goes not only with the winning but all the little extra stuff getting those the the the, the fun players you know even when the Pistons were signing Allen Iverson you know like hey we still we still want to compete we still want to be good trying to hang on trying yeah. to hang on and just the 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 enjoyment of because you're right because it obviously winning is is the thing but it's not just that you can't just have that there there, there has to be other reasons to watch sports and identify with a team and, and and most of that is watching players either develop or perform on, or both and um that's to your point right you get to see there's nothing quite like having uh the highest the the, the sport that you love played by some f- players that you identify with because they're from your area played uh, at, at at the highest level to use oh, the, yeah. Jim Har- the harbaugh phrase right that's the thing they're not going to win, you know. The sports we're talking about, you know, 162 games in baseball and 80, 82 games in hockey and basketball. So yeah, of course, even the best teams you're going to lose, but um, but it's the level of performance that keeps you coming back, right? To watch in January and February. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think I mean I I think uh, in Campbell and Holmes' first year in 2021 with the Lions, you know, they showed signs, even though the 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 wins weren't there, you know, three and a half wins they showed improvement. They showed the beginnings, the kernel of something improving. And they went through the growth pains and everything of the growing pains with, with Anthony Lynn and had to get, you know, make a move and all that. And then last year was the same thing, you know, even during the one and six streak, it wasn't that bad. And then they made changes there with Aubrey Pleasant, you know, and the defense got better and the offense was great the whole season. So you, you have to look at that nuance. And I think the Red Wings are the same boat, you know, like, 
even though you're, you know, there is some buzz, there was some buzz during that, you know, that stretch of nine wins and 12 games, whatever it was. And to put them into the playoff. They put them in the playoffs, but they'd already been close before earlier in the season and they were playing better. I mean, you really see, you know, the, the short version of, you know, your, your BFF, Jarek Lalone, you know, telling, hammering this home all the time about being managing the puck, being responsible, reducing the risk in their game. You've Which seen they that. did not do in Ottawa, right? That was some of it. Um, Especially the second game, the odd man rushes and so forth. And yeah, turn, some turn of it was- Some of it was that. I mean, I don't think it was wholesale just we're, we don't care or we're being irresponsible. Um, they could have definitely done better, but it was a lot of it. Special teams was a lot of it. But but in, but for the most part, the whole season, they have done a pretty good job of listening to what he's preaching and putting it into practice. It's not they spectacular. Have. And that's the thing. It's like they don't have... They don't have a superstar on their team, you know? No, they um, don't. So it's not, they're not fun to watch the way like your favorite team, the Oilers, are fun to watch with Connor. No, McDavid but they were fun to watch title. because they they were fun to watch to me during this streak because they were starting to, there, there's just a certain togetherness. I mean, there, there was a, the, 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 Rangers, the night of the Rangers game, there was a give and go between, um, God, I can't even remember who now. This is, this is terrible. It was a cop, cop goal. And it was a give and go between I got it, Rasmussen and somebody, and it, it was just really pretty, but and simple. But it's it's um you start you're just starting to see more of that, you know, the, the, the certain level of feistiness. You know, they're not the most physical team, but they were just playing with a, a, a bit of grit to use Dan Campbell's your boy Dan Campbell's word, and I think that's fun for um right. Plus, they were getting really good goaltending from Huso, but I, I I think that's 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 fun uh, with a young team. Well, right? I'll tell you something. I'm going to date myself. It is. And, and you know, growing up in L.A., I was an L.A. Kings fan. And this team reminds me a little bit of what who the Kings were before Wayne Gretzky got there in the 80s. In the mid to late 80s, you know, they had Luke Robitaille. They had, they had some good players, some, you know, Dave Taylor and guys like that. Well, the two big things that they did, uh, and they had Tom Webster was their coach for a while. And he, I remember one year he made a big deal before the season started saying, Hey, we're our goal this year is to reduce our goals against by 50 goals. It was, that was the the mandate, the way that Lalone came in and said very, very pointedly, the focus is to reduce the risk in our game. So every coach has their own little thing, but, but that was a goal and they met it. But the difference for the Kings was when they traded and they had Barry Melrose, they hired him as a coach. But when they, when they traded for Wayne Gretzky, they made a huge gamble. They traded for him and then they got Kelly Rudy, a really good goalie, you know, with the Islanders. And they added, started adding little pieces, getting more guys from the Oilers, you know, adding pieces. But they knew that they did not have a superstar because Robitaille wasn't really amazing yet. You know, they had some pretty some, some good players, you know, the Bernie Nichols and stuff. These are Matt Rasmussen. This is Robbie Fabry. These are, you know, are good, good players. players, but not stars. They needed to add a, a star or two and then keep adding to it. And that's what the Red Wings lack right now they don't have that star they have huso huso's a very good goalie and that was a big uh well, acquisition, they have a future you know, that, that i mean they've got a great young defenseman right so the top defense they do no, but they, they need do. more they, they, no. they need wallman's pretty good but they need i like i like cider but he's not drew dowdy he's not like this great amazing quarterback of the power play i think they're kind of missing that i'd, I'd like cider to maybe grow he into might that i mean when, I, more, when but, I was there the other night the, the thing that and you can see this on TV some, but the thing about watching him in person is just he's never rushed. And I, 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 I don't know if it's just me and I'm drawn to that in just sports in general because you, I, I, I love watching players that play at their own speed and kind of control that within the larger context of the game. They don't get sped up or rushed. They have their own pace. He's just so – he's always in control for you. He, he plays like he's 30, you know, in, in a way. The way – he makes weird he, decisions. Well, maybe decisions, but, but just the way he moves and the way he skates, and the the, the feel for yeah. it, you can you can see that there's a real maturity in that, and um and and I'm just I'm drawn to that naturally, but uh, but I got I, I think there's a lot of room for him to get better because he's just got this baseline of and Lidstrom. I'm not saying he's Lidstrom, obviously, but but Lidstrom Lidstrom yeah, had, be Lidstrom. The, the the great ones always do. They have an ability to kind of bend time a little bit. Ledstrom never made a mistake. I think in all his years that he played, he never, no, no, he never for sure, made for one sure. mistake. But, but, the, but, the, but the, 
one of the common themes to me or common uh, traits to me among great athletes and about any sport is, is their ability to bend time a little bit. And, um, that's a good one to have. And, I wish uh, I had. That. Yeah. Yeah. Time bender. And, uh, and cider's got the, he's got that. I don't know what he'll ultimately do with it, but, um, but in any case, I don't want to get too sidetracked on him. I just really enjoy watching him, him skate and play. Yeah. It'll be, I, I, you know, I like his, I like his game, but I'm not, I, I'll be honest. I wasn't, I was never like, a huge Lidstrom fan because I like my defense defenseman to be a little no, fiery. The, the subtleties of gritty. life are, are maybe Lidstrom not your thing, but that's okay. You offer a lot of other things. Yeah, and and like Ben Sherrod is my, more my speed of defenseman. A guy who's going to throw his throw his elbows around a little bit and hit some dudes. Drew Doughty. Drew Doughty is one of my all time favorite players, yeah. but definitely defenseman. A guy who you know missing half of his teeth yeah. and he's rolling yeah, the throw down and, and oh, he's so okay, sure Don, of himself okay, and Don aggressive. Cherry. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, coach's corner. Yeah. I miss it. Uh, yeah, right, right. Then, in any case, um, I wouldn't give up on the wings just yet, right? I mean, I, I think what we see. I mean, they're no. still playing winning hockey now. If they if they completely fall off here, which is what happened last year, although the process that process started a little bit earlier in the season, but um, if, then yeah, then it's a different conversation this summer, right? I mean, what do they have twenty games or whatever? I don't know if they go five. 12 and, and three or whatever, then, uh, yeah, that's, that's not going to be good. Right. And, and that'll change the conversation for sure. Yeah. And you know, Lalone mentioned after the game when they lost to, uh, to Ottawa the second night, he mentioned that, um, before, before they won on the winning streak with, with the nine wins and in 12 or whatever that someone had written, I think one of the players had written something in the locker room was they had, we're going to have to go like nine and three, to make a serious run at the playoffs and get back into contention. And they, they kind of, I think they went eight and four during that stretch. So that he was talking about. Uh, so I think that they're very aware of this, you know, come what may at the trade deadline, but I think they're very aware that they're not that far. And, and your, your guy, Mo Sider said it last year when he won the Calder, he's like, uh, we want the playoffs at little Caesars, you know, I mean, they, they want it. Larkin needs to get back there. He hasn't been there since he was a rookie. They do need to experience that, and that's that's the thing with hockey too. Is you got to go through the playoffs once or twice to feel that intensity to compete at that level. I'd love to see, and I've seen the Red Wings. Listen, they've played some really good games, some intense games. Um, they have that spirit in them. Uh, talent level is a different question, but that talent doesn't always win because, as I told you, as I as I've complained many times. The LA Kings should have eliminated your boy Connor McDavid in six games last year, even though the Oilers had much more talent and better health. The Wings did, or the Kings Ta- didn't even have talent. Does usually win, but just not in hockey. In hockey, it's a defensive game, and you can you can be methodical, you can be careful, and this is where Lalone's managing the risk in their game that really pays off in the playoffs. No, for sure, and they've even been scoring reasonably well. Like, you know, we were talking about the power play earlier when Helena was mm-hmm. there. They've been they've been pretty good in the power play this year. They're they're five on five. They're a pretty good team. You know, they're they're not they're not one of the they're I don't know what the metrics would be, but in my guess they'd be above. No, average they, as they, five they, on this five I was team. thinking about when I was was there the other night, that, and I didn't write this know what I wrote, but I did I did write this actually after I went and saw him play, see him play. Uh, they play Edmonton because they've got the, the stars, a couple of them. But you're right, they don't have a superstar. But what they do have are they've got you know. Several guys that that have some offensive. I mean, they they've got some ability, right? They've just they've got a they got a bunch of good oh, yeah. players. You know, they have seven eight good players, yeah. maybe maybe more. They just don't they just don't have any great great players. And um, have maybe have the goalie players got a chance to be right. Yeah, if you have good players and they buy into the system and it's a good system, I mean, you you've got a chance. That's that's what that's what gives you do. You but you're hockey, but you're living you know, as, and, as Lawn said after the Rangers game. And it's one of the things that I ask him, but you're, the, the margin of error is just small. So, and that's a that's a tough way to operate over the course of a season, right? When you're when you're when you don't have the superstar talent to just go out and win your games. Although they kind of they kind of did win that way against the Rangers. They didn't necessarily outplay them. Um, they did it in a couple of stretches. They just they just had some of their better players make a couple plays. But anyway, the, that margin of error is just not that great, right? You know, Dan Campbell talked about that all fall. Our margin of error, our margin of error. We have to play a very specific way. We have to do specific things, and we got to learn how to make winning plays 
within that small margin of error. And to me, that's where the wings are. And um, yeah, right. Yeah, there's nobody who can no, just take exactly, over a game. Exactly. And, and, that, yeah. and, and it's not that that wears you out, but it is exhausting in a way, right? To, to because you, yeah, grinding like that game after game after game, and they've done a decent job of that. And I wonder a little bit if they, I don't know if it's just the moment in Ottawa or whatever, because they did show that early in, against the Rangers. Uh, and Alon talked about this actually that the moment got to them early, and then they found their way out of it. And, but they were home. Maybe that makes a difference too. And you know, you get you get an unexpected goal, and then you can go from there. But um, although weirdly enough, they. To Elena's point, they scored each each uh, they scored first each game against Ottawa. So I don't know, man. I, I just I'm fascinated by the psychology of that, by the, the that those areas that you operate is whatever you get for Bertuzzi going to be worth giving him up if they do make a run and get, and get the experience of the young guys and getting a taste of that. I mean, that's what you don't know, right? That's the that's the it's kind of a gamble that I, I mean, what do you think? What that Eisenman's got? I think that. Uh... If you're not getting a player back in return somehow, some 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 player who's close, you know, who's either whatever you might want to call him a, a you know top six forward or something or a or, you know top defenseman. Four, four, defenseman or some something who's going to help you, not just draft picks that are going to maybe pan out in three years. You know, that's I think what would be deflating is if you get some draft picks but no immediate help at all. Or a guy who's going to be, you know, still has another year on his contract, at least, who's not just a rental or whatever, because, you don't, that's not going to serve you much. But I would prefer, you know, that, that he give this team a chance as much as possible to, to try to make the playoffs this year. I mean, I think, I think, I think this, I, I, I've liked what the Red Wings have done this year. I liked what Lalonde has done. I like, I like how they responded, you know, are they amazing? No, but like Helena said, with Brana and Bertuzzi being hurt, you know, they, they missed some pieces. And and look at, I mean, Eiserman just looks, needs to look at Huso, right? He knew that uh, Nadelkovich was not going to be the answer. And so he went out and acquired, he traded for Huso, it got him. And he's, without Huso, this is a completely Absolutely. different season. This is worse than last year. It's maybe a face plant. You know, so you talent matters, you know. So, okay, if, I know. I mean, I mean, to, to Iserman and I mean, as Helena said, it's the cardinal sin to just give up a player, let him walk in free agency, and you get absolutely nothing back. But there's also a lot to be said for a team that's battling for a playoff spot and let's see if they can get there. Because I think if you get there, if you keep or and you get there, you make the playoffs, and even if you get swept by Boston or whatever, at least you got there. And that, that matters. I think that matters for the team, the players, their experience, for the fans as well. And like I said, for season ticket sales, you bet your butt it's, they're going to go up if they make the playoffs. And that there's excitement, first playoffs in Little Caesars Arena history. So uh, Wings playoffs, you know, yeah. I think I think that wing. Yeah, we're not talking about your Pistons. Um, so, yeah, that's that's that that counts for something. But, you know, I don't know. I, Iserman just is always, always considering. He just doesn't want to talk about the playoffs. He's just really like – I don't know if it's ever going to be time. I don't know until he's holding the cup, hoisting the cup again. I don't know if he's ever going to admit you know, it's time for the team to make. He's very, very deliberate. I, I, yeah, we'll, we'll see what like like we we're just saying. We'll see what happens the last uh, what six weeks here, whatever it is, um, twenty games or so. We'll see what, uh, or maybe by the time you're listening to this, nineteen games, I guess. But we'll see what happens. Um, I know we talked about we've reference the Lions here. We thought we might talk a little bit more about the Lions. Uh, I, I mostly just wanted to talk about your column on Jalen Ramsey and the idea of should the Lions take big swings. I did not necessarily want to talk about your column on Jalen Ramsey and how you started your column off with how you perform at the free press, which implied that you are great, which is that was sort of a funny <laughs> way to start, but uh <laughs> <laughs> oh my god no no that was another oh my column. god was that a, was that a, was that a different call oh that that, that was, was uh, that was column. a different column i'm getting them confused sorry about that i just <laughs> i write too much sean when you write when you write more than once a week it's that? hard to that keep was, track that was so one was one week and one was last week okay yeah anyway no we'll uh we'll talk lines track. next week uh maybe uh, you know the combine will be over, and uh, we'll get Dave Burkett back in here, and he can give us a rundown. You know he is the he's a draft guru. I'm sure I have a second mock. We can talk about what he sees uh, or what he saw in Indy. Well, maybe we can get him. If not, we'll 
do some lines. In any case, we need to take one more quick break and uh, pay some bills, and then we'll be right back to finish up so we can hear about Carlos's favorite thing and uh, finish up Free Press Sports with Carlson Sean. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. It's that time of the, the show, Carlos. It's uh, it's your time. My time. It's my time, but then it's your time when you steal uh, whatever I say. I know you're going to really steal this steal. one, I know it's for more, sure. Uh, what, you, you're grateful your power came back on? <laughs> uh, your favorite thing was... <laughs> I didn't, I didn't did. lose power. Oh. Did. But the world's out to get you. 700,000 people lost power. <laughs> Not you, but the world's out to get you. You you ruminate on that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my my favorite thing is very simple. That actually right up your alley too, Sean. This is why you're going to steal it. Um, it is that after a long time, and I, I've heard of this, and you're going to probably be shocked or sad that it hasn't happened, but it finally happened. Is I finally got to go to Mister Spots, the uh, the sandwich shop in in your neck of the woods in Ann Arbor, uh, right down there on State Street, Central Campus. And uh, it was fun because uh, we were going to pick up my kid who goes to school there, and it was me and my wife, and um, we said, "Hey, let's go to let's go here." And, and nobody had been there, so you know, I figure my kid's going to school; she's got to go to Mister Spots, right? So, and so they're Michigan's on winter break; they just started. This is on Sunday, and they're playing uh, Wisconsin at Chrysler Center. And I'm sure you were at that game; you go to every single game, so. Uh, and so we're in Mr. Spots and it's just, if nobody, if you haven't been there, it's just one of these cool, I think it was open in the like 86 or something. I was at that game. You were at that game, of course. And it's got like wood paneling. I think uh, about 60 pictures of Tom Brady, uh, a lot of stuff from hockey and different things. It's just a cute little hole in the wall place, but their, their cheesesteaks are just about as good as that you'll find in Philadelphia. Um, and the food was great and it was a cool, just a cool little environment. It wasn't crowded cause the campus was kind of empty. Um, but we were watching the game on TV and, uh, Michigan came roaring back and won that game. We didn't stay for the end of it. Hunter Dickinson's amazing shot. Um, but it was, uh, it was just a fun, it was like this, this quintessential Ann Arbor, you know, experience that I've been waiting to have. So, uh, so I really enjoyed it and the food was great. So, uh, props to Mr. Spots. And uh, maybe we'll go there and have a share a, a cheesesteak one of these days. Sure, there's a there's a cheesesteak on the other side of town that's uh, about as good, and it's a place called Izzy's Hoagies. Oh, yeah, as good or better? I haven't had Mister Spots in a while, so okay. But I like it. Yeah, no, it's they're similar. It's funny though. Uh, the president of Michigan, the University of Michigan, uh, Mister Santa Ono, tweeted out a few days ago that he'd finally had a Mister Spots and he was recommended it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in good company, see? Yeah, no, I thought maybe you ate with them when you were starting to tell the story. <laughs> those are the, no, not, I'm not at that level. The, if I was Sean Windsor, I, I'm sure. No, uh, those are the kind of connections you have and make, and that's good for you. You know, you, it's good. It's, you should you should handshake your way through. He's the a world. fun president, isn't he? He, he does. A lot I, of I don't know stuff. much about him, but he's fun on social media for sure. He's fun, and I, I if you didn't if you didn't get a chance to read Neil Rubin's story about him. When they were at the uh, at the college football playoff out in Phoenix, um, it, you read it because he had a lot of fun talking to you know to him and and writing about what he's like and you know interacting with the fans and he really gets it you know uh, his predecessor Schlissel did not he just was very open about not knowing about anything about sports and football even though it's a football school so there was a disconnect that i think ono does not have and uh it's it's a, it's a probably a fun time to have a president like that no for sure for sure yeah again i don't know much about him and what i don't know what the the folks that uh, teach and do all the the stuff that makes that university go i don't know what they think about him but um but yeah social media wise he's he's definitely fun you and you you know posting selfies hanging out with students and laughing and you know, that kind of thing so that's uh that's probably pretty smart. My favorite thing is um well, I don't know. They're probably uh there there are a couple of them, but I am just going to I'm just going to pick one. I mean, getting the power back. Get, getting the power back. Um I would say, but my but the, here's my favorite part about it. And and this is going to sound counterintuitive a little bit. First of all, I I enjoyed talking to the guys that were working the lines at the end of the street. They didn't they had to do some things. They to to start the sequence that led to our power i want to say uh later that night but 
so we we live in a like a lot of people around here live in an area with a lot of trees and the infrastructure's old that you know that this is a problematic grid i think we all know that uh we're not talking out of school at all you know the rankings where dte ranks and look we're not we'll talk about dte some other time in any case uh we lose power fairly frequently and have as long as i've been in this house until a few years ago dde came in and cut a lot of trees and that did help some in any case we lost power a couple of weeks before the ice storm our transformer blew down the street sounded like a shotgun and it was just us and a couple, uh, one other street in this whole neighborhood. So we lost power, what, twice in two weeks? And I'm not complaining. It's just, you know, you take it for granted like we all do. We understand uh, we can't live our modern life without it. But it, and it is, it's, it's, so to this point, and the fact that we lose it and the fact that, you know, we need a couple of machines here to run for health purposes, you know what I mean? So I decided, uh, you know, let's let's go get a generator. I never thought I'd own a generator, but I went to get a generator. And um, at about, the store closed at 6. They would just, I bought it. They loaded it up into the back. And I get a call from home saying the power's back on. <laughs> <laughs> and so I called another friend, actually, to say, hey, you know, another friend called and said, hey, is the, is the power back? And I said, yes, they live in the neighborhood. And I said, yeah, I just bought a generator. And they thanked me for buying the generator as if the reason that we got powers because I bought the because <laughs> I bought the generator. And it, did you keep it? I did at first. We we're like, ah, but then we decided, you know, let's keep it because yeah. let's just think of it as insurance, mm-hmm. just like we pay for insurance. And um, we may never need it. We might not need it for a few years, but we already had it, and we just thought, okay. Our our neighbors have one because they their basement kept flooding because there's you know they would lose the power of the sump pump, and it just wasn't worth it. I mean, you know, the damage because insurance doesn't cover all that, so. We kind of watched how they did it, so we're going to keep it and um, and just be a little bit more prepared. And then next year, we'll probably start building a bunker, and uh, we'll start cannon, and uh, we're going to stock up with arms. I think, uh, yeah, we're going to go. We're going to go first full survival mode here, man. <laughs> you'll know. You'll know Sean Windsor's uh, house with the "Don't Tread on Me" flag flying. I am proud. Absolutely, but no. My favorite moment was yeah. I bought the generator. The power comes back on, and then and normally you would think, oh my god what have I done? But no, no, I was just grateful to have it back. And and now we have a generator and, you know, you, I'm sure did, I don't know if you lost power in your neighborhood at all, but the sound of those generators for days and days everywhere. Cause Ann, I oh, think yeah. Ann Arbor was hit worse than anywhere. We had like a half inch of ice. That's yeah. not always the case, but there's something about, you know, cause Ann Arbor is kind of in a, a valley a little bit. It's hard to say, see it, but if you, if you're on the outskirts and you need to go downtown, especially going from West to East, you can feel, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but you're going down as you mm-hmm. go into downtown. But um, yeah. in any case, I don't know if there's there's geologic reasons, climate reasons, but but uh, yeah, that's part of living here. Yeah, as nice as it is. Anyway, all right, man. Anything else? We've been, I think we have to we have to thank people, right, Sean? Oh, we do, we do, we do. I thought in this we're in a new system. We're recording a new system, so we hopefully we sound a little bit better. I was hoping that there was an AI feature in the system that would do all that for us. Because I'm I'm tired of thanking these people. No, I'm not. I'm I'm happy to thank Jeanette. You are. Yeah, I'm Jeanette Delgado. Can never be thanked enough. Uh, she signs the paychecks now, so I'm, I'm very happy. I to want thank to thank her. Robin, She's, but that's it. Yeah. Well, Robin. Our, our intrepid um, uh, producer and editor, I think his title also includes editor Robin Chan, executive producer Kirkland Crawford, and executive producer Anjanette Delgado. And of course, we have to thank, most importantly, you, the listener, for sharing a little bit of time with us once again. You, you sound so enthusiastic. It's, uh, it's beautiful. The, the, that's a, the most sincere thank you I think I've ever heard. <laughs> Yeah. You're not just reading. Hey, are way, you reading on the script? I I am. Uh, no, it's it's the script in my head. But, but Stephen uh, Wright monotone. We know we know Sean. We have a we have a an all star listener out there, and uh, and uh, you know he's been very. He, he he sends us an email every week. He's very dedicated. We really appreciate um, him listening to us. So uh, he's getting a small little token gift from us, and. Um, you know, I'm not above or beyond sending that or, and helping out uh, our, our devout listener. So, how how can we tell if you're a devout listener? How can that be, Sean? 
if you drop comments, right? Yeah, you you can you can email us, obviously, but but maybe as important, maybe you rate us you know and and then the, the top thing we'll do would be to subscribe you can find us wherever you find your favorite podcast you know apple spotify but yeah subscribe and just downloads and you're driving around and you're you're angry and you want to hear the the soothing tones or or maybe you're sleepy and you want to get angry and so you, you put us on whatever whatever it is whatever motivates you subscribe rate us let us know what you think and um yeah that, that's what you wanted right carlos if you if you it's worth listening to the dulcet tones of Sean Windsor so please subscribe I was not going to use that word but uh, <laughs> but I'm glad you did all right man let's uh, let's wrap this up uh, poor Robin we need to get him out of here the listeners have put up with this for far long enough so until next week Carlos uh, thank you it was fun as always and uh, we will be back with more free press sports with Carlos and Sean. Bye.